Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. I love that they acknowledge that we don't absolutely love to clean the house, right? <laughs> That's right. Happy Mother's Day. Maybe today you're missing a mother or missing a child. Maybe you're wishing to be a mother. There are lots of emotions connected with Mother's Day, and this is the perfect place to bring those thoughts and those feelings. And today we get to hear from Lori Cole, one of the sweetest, most profound, lovely women I have ever known. So we will be blessed. She has written several studies, and we have done many of them. She's been a friend to Gateway through the years and been here to speak before. And this January, she was the speaker at our women's retreat. So I introduce to you today, Lori Cole. Thank you, Susan. What a blessing to be with y'all this morning. I love your church from afar. I attend another church and serve at another church. It's just uh, not too far down the road from here. But I had never met your pastor, Pastor Randy, until this morning. So I've got to know Susan, especially at the retreat, and just she's such a warm, loving person. And we've had so much in common. It's just been an encouragement to get to know her and Love her and love Betsy, your worship leader. I always enjoy getting to have an opportunity to worship with her and your women's ministry team. I've met many of you all and so many of the women at the church. And today I get, a few, get to meet a few of you men too. So I'm enjoying that. Well, before I get into my, <clears throat> my message, I'm going to out somebody who's here, okay? Because I just noticed a few minutes ago that someone came through the door and I know him very well. I've been married to him for 40 years. Bill Cole, where are you? I saw you just a minute ago. There he is. That's my husband way over there on the front while he snuck in. We attend Sagemont Church uh, right over there off the Beltway and where he's the worship leader. And we have a contemporary service that meets right now. And Bill leads the earlier service, the blended service. So you snuck out today, didn't you? I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad he's here. He is um, a wonderful dad, and he's been a wonderful husband. And this year we celebrate, what number is it, Bill? Tell him you know. 40. Amen. He knew. We celebrate 40 years of marriage this year, so I'm glad he's here today. Well, happy Mother's Day to all of you moms. Or I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to say it to you, uh, to you like one of my dear friends would say. Happy Mother's and Other's Day. Isn't that sweet to know? Listen, my friend, her mom was never really a part of her life. But you know what God did? He brought other women around her to encourage her, to bless her, to minister to her, to train and teach her what it means to be a loving mom, a godly woman. Girls, listen, there are a lot of others here today. And you probably can think of many women maybe in addition to your mom or maybe in spite of your mom, who have mentored you and loved you and encouraged you in the faith. And so to all the others here today, we just want to say how grateful we are to the Lord for you. Well, listen, today the Lord has impressed me to share some things with you that he's taught me through the seasons of motherhood. But as I share, this is what I want you to know. I want you to know that what I'm sharing won't only apply to moms. It's going to apply to a lot of you. In fact, I think it's going to apply to every single one of you. To every single one of you. So please, don't let the title which you're about to see up on the screens make you think, today I can check out. I'm not a mom. This sermon isn't for me, okay? I want you today to just ask God to begin to speak to your heart as I uh, share with you a message that I've entitled, Seasons of Motherhood lessons learned. And these are the lessons, really the five most important lessons that the Lord has taught me through the seasons of being a mom. You know, life really is a succession of seasons. And the book of Ecclesiastes describes this in chapter 3 as all these different seasons, good, bad, and everything in between. But there are also seasons of motherhood. And you know, listen, here's the good thing about seasons. Yes, the seasons come, they go, they change for bad or worse or for good or better. But here's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says this, that God is sovereign over the seasons of our lives. He knows what we need. 
and that God has a purpose for every season in our life. God uses the seasons that we go through and that he allows to refine us, to teach us, to grow us, to challenge us, and to make us and conform us more and more to the image of his son Jesus. And as moms, we go through these seasons, and these seasons have the same purpose. God has a purpose in them. There's a season of being a new mom. If you're a mom, you remember that season. Your life changed, and it's never been the same since. You were a new mom, a brand-new baby come to live with you. There's a season of being the mom of toddlers, which is just kind of chaos and just kind of crazy, it feels like sometimes. You know, they're just climbing stairs when they shouldn't be climbing stairs. They're throwing things off their tray when they should be eating them, and all that kind of stuff is going on. There's seasons of being the mom of school-age kids and all those book reports and projects and all that stuff that you have to kind of oversee and help them as they begin school and get involved. And then there's a season of being the mom of teenagers, Girls, this is a challenging season, isn't it? But can I tell you something else? It is a wonderful season. Some wonderful, wonderful things begin to take place in many of your children's lives at that time. And so there's a season of being the mom of teenagers. And then there's the season that I'm in right now. It is being the mother of adult children. I am 60 years old, but I've been mom for 37 of those. And today, my three sons are adult. And I'm going to share with you, as I said, the five most important lessons that the Lord has taught me through the seasons of motherhood. And I trust, and I've been praying, that God will use these lessons to encourage you, whether you're a mom or a dad, a man or a woman. And so, let me just begin with that very first season in my life. It's a season as a, as a new mom. In my very first season of motherhood, I remember very, very clearly the first lesson that I learned. And it was probably the same one that all of you moms learned in that season of being a new mom. And it's this, lesson number one, God loves you, his child, dearly, unconditionally, and sacrificially. When you have a child, you begin to learn how much God loves you, his child. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I remember bringing our first child home from the hospital, David, and at night, I remember the first few nights, you know, of feeding him, of sitting in a rocking chair, trying to get him ready, you know, to put down. And, and then, you know, you get up and you do it again three hours later. It's just, you know, a whole night long kind of a process. But I remember... As I sat in that rocking chair one night just being overwhelmed by the responsibilities that this child God had given me, I was responsible for him. Not only responsible for feeding and caring and doing all those kind of physical things that children need you to do for them, but I realized that I was also responsible for training him up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that I had a lot of weight and responsibility on my shoulders. But God is good because as you sit there, and you probably went through this if you're a new mom, the next thing that you experience, and it overwhelms that overwhelmed feeling that you have of all the responsibilities. Listen, the next feeling you have is this. You are overwhelmed by the love you have for this child. Words can't express it. It's a love you've never experienced before that you didn't even know was there dormant inside of you. Do you remember that? Will you nod your heads at me? Do you remember that? And you thought, you know, I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my husband. But this is a new kind of love that I've never experienced before, and it's just the most beautiful thing. It's like an epiphany, isn't it? And so you enjoy that for a moment, and then probably the next epiphany came to you as it did to me. And it is this, my mother, my father loved me as much as I love this child. You realize for the first time that how much your parents love you, how much you knew they loved you, but you didn't know how much until you had become a parent yourself. And this continues to evolve until finally you begin to realize, listen, not only is this how much my parents love me, but this is how much 
my heavenly father loves me, his child. Lord, you love me like I love this child. I'd do anything for this child. I'd lay down my life. I'd do anything. And Lord, you love me that way. But you know, as much as our moms may love us, as much as our fathers may love us, God loves us more, doesn't he? And he proved it when he sent his only son, Jesus, to be the sacrifice for our sins, to be our Savior, who makes it possible for us to have a relationship with a holy God, who makes it possible for us to live an abundant life here and have an eternal life with him one day. That love is best described in John 3.16. You know the verse, don't you? For God so what? Love the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Listen. Whosoever believeth in him could be saved. Hey, might not perish, but, but can be saved. This is the definition of love. It is a love that gives. It is an unconditional, sacrificial love. And the love God has for us is permanent. It is fixed. It is unchanging. And his word promises us that nothing can separate us from his love. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, Paul says this. It's one of my favorite passages, and I'm sure it's many of yours. I am convinced, he says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to ask you a question. Have you experienced God's unconditional love for you? Have you accepted God's unconditional forgiveness for you, for your sins? And have you experienced that salvation that he's given you through his son, Jesus Christ? If you haven't, but if today you sense him drawing, to you, drawing, drawing you to himself, I want you to know that that is a precious thing that he's doing in your heart. He's drawing you to him, to salvation. But I need to tell you this. You can come to him when he's drawing you. That's when he wants you to come. Today, let today be that drawing to salvation. Because I hate to tell you, but I must tell you the truth. That drawing may not come again. It may not come tomorrow or next week or when you think you might be ready. I pray that today, if you've not experienced the unconditional love, the forgiveness, the salvation that Jesus Christ died to give us, that today would be the day that you would reach out to him as he is drawing himself near to you. And if you haven't, if you sense that today, listen, you'll have the opportunity at the end of the service to come down front and to meet with some people who can help you understand what it means to be connected to God through Jesus, his son, and to have a relationship with God. Well, the second lesson that I learned through the seasons of motherhood is this. And it's one that continues to challenge and also encourage me today because it is so necessary, it is so important in every season of motherhood and truly in every season of life. And it is this. Lesson two is this. Giving God priority is the key to becoming the woman God calls you to be. It's the key Giving him priority, putting him first in your life, seeking him first, loving him most, more than even those kids, more than even that husband that you love, more than your parents, more than anyone else, more than anything else, giving God priority is the key to becoming the woman that God has called you to become. And I might add, it is the key to becoming the man that you men have been called to be. We see this in Matthew 6, when Jesus said this. He said, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. You know, Jesus is speaking. The context here is he's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's a long, long sermon, as you well know. And he's commanding them before that not to make anything else their God, not even their money, not even their treasure. He's saying, listen, lay up treasures on earth. And then he comes down and he says, listen, you shouldn't even be worried about your needs. If you will put me first, if you will seek me, seek my kingdom first, 
I'll take care of everything else. This is a supernatural principle. Listen, God is calling them. God continues to call you and me to seek Him first, to give Him priority. And when we do, we will discover the supernatural truth that He will provide supernaturally for us everything we need. It is amazing. I learned this in my 20s when our marriage was going through a real rough spot. It was a scary time. And God called me to quit worrying about my marriage. And he literally broke me. And he told me, Laurie, seek me first. Love me most. Seek me first. And I'll take care of your marriage. Will you trust me? The next morning when I woke up after I had prayed that, the night before, I had this new a renewed hunger for God and for his word and to know him and I remember getting to his word and beginning to spend time just reading the Bible most days and I began to pray and I began to really connect listen I was saved when I was just a six-year-old seven-year-old girl but I had never been to this point before where my parents had always taken care of me you know they'd helped me make it through all the rough, rough spots I'm an adult now and what God is saying listen I'm the one who can get you through this he fed me. He grew me. He gave me hope. And not long after that, he saved my husband. God knows what you need, and he can give you what you need if you will give him priority in your life. Ladies, that woman you and I want to be is described in Proverbs thirty-one thirty. It says this, Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but... A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Can I tell you what that word means, the fear of the Lord, what that literally means? When you study that, what it means is this. It's a reverence for God that results in obedience to God. It's not just enough to say, wow, I really respect you, God. The true fear of the Lord says, Lord, I respect you, I revere you, and I will obey you. Okay? It's not just lip service. It is obedience. It's a fear that impels us, and that leads us and drives us to obey the Lord. And when we become that woman, listen, it says that woman will be praised. That woman will be praised. What are you most looking forward to one day when you see Jesus? It's the same thing I'm looking forward to, I bet. What I want more than anything else is to be greeted at heaven's gates with those two words. What are those two words? You know what they are. Well done. Well done. That is the praise, that is the phrase that we want to hear from the Lord one day. And a woman who fears the Lord, she will be praised. This is the woman God wants you, He wants me to become. This is a woman who fears and respects God, who loves Him most, who seeks Him first. This is a woman who will give Him and His Word and the Holy Spirit priority in her life. And so I have to ask you a question. Are you becoming that woman? It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't even happen in a year. It is a process. It is a process as you continue to give Him priority as you spend time with Him in prayer, as you spend time in His Word, as you obey Him and live for Him, what He does is He begins to make you the woman He wants you to be. I can promise you this. If you will give God priority, He will make you the woman and the man that He wants you to be. It is truth. You need to believe that. Well, giving God priority is also the key to this, to becoming the mom your child needs you to be. If you want to be the mom that your child specifically needs, and listen, I have three kids, and all three of them are very different, and they all need different things from me. Are your kids that way? You know they are. They don't all need the same thing. They're very different. But listen, if you will give God priority in your life, God will enable you to become the mom that your kids need and to meet those individual needs. The mom who gives God priority will become the mom that her child needs. You'll become a mom who knows and loves God. And you'll become a mom who knows and lives God's Word. And that kind of woman is described in Proverbs 1, 8, and 9. 
It says in Proverbs 1, 8 and 9, my, ch my child, listen when your father corrects you, okay? And so fathers, God here's called you, listen, to correct your children, to not just let things slide, but to correct them. And then he says, don't neglect your mother's, what is the word there? Instruction. Can I just tell you something? This is a, this is a, danger for most of us moms we can preach can't we to our kids we could preach and preach and preach and preach listen what God is talking about here is not this constantly sermonizing to our kids he's talking about those instructions that he talks about in the book of De Deuteronomy that when we rise up and when we sit down and when we're in the car and when we're on the road and when we're the, as naturally yes you want to have some time in the word with your children but this instruction that he's talking about his is best done just as life unfolds, as God gives you opportunities. Do you know that most children think that when they're in the car with their mom, their mom's driving and they're in the back seat, most children think that their moms are deaf. They cannot hear what's going on in the back seat. It's the most interesting thing. You hear your children say things and admit things and talk about topics and subjects that they would never just sit down at the dinner table and say, Mom, can we talk about blah? No. But when they're in the back seat, they think you can't hear them, and they start talking about them. And you have what? A captive audience for a few moments. And as you listen, listen. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Use those moments not to sermonize but to say what the Lord impresses upon your heart as a moment of instruction for your children to help them understand what God says about whatever that is or how God would have them respond to whatever situation they're discussing that they think you can't hear. Listen, Mom, when you give God and His Word priority, God will enable you to become a godly example to your children, and they will learn from your example. They'll learn more from your example than they will perhaps even from what you tell them, from what you teach them. And as you give God and His Word priority, you'll also gain the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to instruct and encourage your children in the truth. In the truth. In our world today, the truth is becoming increasingly and increasingly rare, isn't it? Your children need to know truth, what God's Word teaches. Mom, hide it in your heart, and you'll be able to become the mom your children need. Well, giving, God's pri giving God priority is also the key to this, to balancing all of life's roles and responsibilities. It's the key to a balanced life. It's the key to balancing all of life's roles and responsibility. You know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be, will be given to you. He's saying everything else will be taken care of. Just trust me is what he's saying. The number one thing young, young moms often talk to me about is this. They say, you know, life is so crazy. I've got these kids, and I feel so out of balance. I wish I could balance my life. I feel like I'm juggling so many roles, so many responsibilities, so many things going on in my life, and I just feel out of balance. I feel sometimes like it's just chaos, just on the verge of chaos. Can I give you the secret to a balanced life? It's so simple. I've just said it. Seek Him first. Seek God first. When you seek Him first, God brings balance to your world. He brings order out of chaos. He enables you to clearly see what your priorities are and what they are not. And for a lot of you, that's the most important thing he could tell you is that is not your priority. Leave that alone. Here's where your priorities lie. Lay this down. Give this to me and take these responsibilities. These priorities are the ones that you're to focus on. That's what God does to those who seek him first. And so, does your life feel unbalanced? Does your life feel chaotic? Are you frayed at the edges? Do you feel just on the verge some days, you know? Then ask yourself these questions. Am I giving God priority? Am I spending consistent time with Him and in His Word? Am I feeding myself spiritual food? Am I allowing Him to prioritize my life? 
my heart goes out to all of those. How many young moms? You have kids at home. With, well, I would say young kids. Your life, I, I met a woman a while ago during between services. She has one child that's three and one child that's 23, okay? To every mom in here, you've got children still at home. Would you raise your hand? I want to ask you something. Is it a struggle for you to spend time with God? Would you just nod your heads at me and let me know that you struggle? It is a struggle, is it? Listen, I used to believe this myth that when I got to a certain age, and I really thought it was going to be about 35 or 40, that I'd have this thing down, that I wouldn't struggle with a quiet time and spending time in God's work, that that would just come automatically. Can I tell you something? And I hate to burst your bubble. It'll always be a challenge. It will always be a challenge, but more so, I believe, when you have children at home. And so let me give you some tips for those of you moms who still have children at home, and uh, little children especially. Have your quiet time at nap time. Do you know what that means? You need a nap time for your kids. If they're still home and they're five years old, they haven't started kindergarten yet, they still can go to their rooms for 30 minutes, maybe even an hour, and just play quietly. Just look at a book. Just use their blocks. to. If they won't take a nap, say you're going to stay in your room. You're going to be quiet. Put those younger ones in the bed. After lunch, it's just a routine. It's nap time. And while those kids are observing nap time, what can you do? You can observe quiet time. I did this for many years. And I look back upon those days, and those were some of the most critical, most precious years of my life. Because you think when you're a mother of small children that it's crazy busy. But can I tell you that crazy only gets crazier as they get older. It just really does. So if you're a young mom, listen, plant God's seed, the seed of his word in your life. The other thing I would encourage you to do is this. And my daughter-in-law, Rachel, who lives down in League City, uh, taught me this. She joined, she has a one-year-old, uh, my, my one-year-old grandbaby, Aubrey. And Rachel joined the YMCA down there in League City. And do you know what the YMCA has that is so awesome? Free child care. Glory. Can anybody? Oh, that's an awesome thing. Free child care. And it's good child care. They're responsible people. And Aubrey loves to go and play with those little kids that are in there. And then my daughter-in-law can go work out. She can do her thing. She meets some of her friends down there many days. But this is what she told me the other day. She had no idea when she said this to me how much it blessed me. She said, and you know, I always bring my Bible with me because I can find a place there just to get along with the Lord and read His Word. Girls, listen, maybe the YMCA is something that should be in your future or something like that where you can spend time with God. And, of course, then there's always women's Bible study. I know Gateway has a wonderful discipleship program, Bible studies for women. And uh, there's things in your bulletins even today, I think, about the women's ministry. Uh, probably most of those Bible studies have nursery, if not all of those Bible studies have a nursery for those of you who could bring your children, drop them off at a nursery, and then take a curriculum, a, a Bible study book, whatever it is that they're doing during Bible study, and use that to enable you to get into God's Word and to be accountable to other women and to come to a group every week where you sit around a table and you talk about your life and how God's Word spoke to you that week. And be encouraged by younger moms who are going through the same thing you're going through. And then also be encouraged by older women who've said, I've been there. You're going to make it. I'm going to pray for you. Girls, be a part of women's Bible studies. Well, giving God priority is the key to becoming the man or the woman that God wants you to be. And it's the key to balancing all of life's responsibilities and relationships in your life. In the season of motherhood, when my sons were in high school, when they're getting their driver's license, you know, when they're becoming independent, God taught me a very challenging lesson. It was a lesson, though, that eventually was one of the most freeing and liberating lessons that he's ever taught me. And it is this, lesson number three, give your kids to God. You're not God. You say, well, of course I'm not God. Well, let me tell you my story and see if you can relate. Bill and I had a high school-age son who was constantly just on the borderline of trouble. 
He was just, you know, we did all the things that we felt. We instituted, you know, implemented discipline. We made curfews. We did all those kinds of things. And yet he was still just on this borderline. And things were getting sometimes very, very stressful at our house because this child, he just wouldn't stay where he was supposed to be. He just wouldn't do what he was supposed to do. And so this was my response. I decided that I would control him. Now, I didn't make that decision one day, but this is what I would do. I would begin to... When he woke up in the mornings, I would say, Kevin, what's going on at school today? What are your assignments? Do you have all your papers today or all your papers in your backpack today? Let me check your backpack and make sure that all your papers are here. Okay, did you study for that test? Did you finish that assignment? When he would come home, I would say, how was your day? What happened? Did you get in trouble? Did anybody, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was an interrogator. I was a controller. I was a micromanager. I would just keep up and stay on. And I would, when he came in the door, sometimes I'd say, who are you with? Who was there? What are they like? What are their parents like? Where are you going? Where are you, you know, all this. It was just constant. And do you know what teenagers tell you when you ask them all these questions and try to control you? Can I tell you what they tell you? They tell you what you want to hear. That is what teenagers are very good at. They tell you what you want to hear. And girls, listen, this was a stressful season for me as a mom. Over time, that stress increased. And eventually, I became, and I confess this to you, obsessed. I woke up thinking about this kid. I went to bed thinking about this kid. And all throughout the day, I thought about this kid. And what am I going to do? Because you know what I thought? I can fix him. I can fix him if I'll just bear down a little harder, if I'll just pay attention a little bit more, if I'll just put a little more uh, control things around him. I can fix him. I became obsessed, obsessed with being the one to fix my child. And one day, I was praying. And guess what I was praying for? Well, of course, you know what I was praying for. I was praying for this child. But you know what I was really doing? I was worrying out loud to God. I was just unloading on him, venting, which is not a bad thing to do, okay? But what I did was once I did that, I'd get up and I'd just keep worrying about this kid. I just never really, you know, I just, it was just constant. And that particular day, God interrupted my quiet time and my prayer. And a still, small voice taught me this lesson that I just told you about. The Lord said to me, Laurie, give him to me. You're not me. When I thought about that, I was a little confused because I thought, well, you know, I gave my child to the Lord when he was young. We have dedication services. You probably do tear at your church. I thought I had given him, but you know what I had done? I had taken the son myself. And all of my obsession, all of my control, all of my micromanaging, I had put myself in God's place. In God's place. And so that day, it was an emotional day for me. I gave that child to the Lord. And when I got up from my prayer time, and as I went through the rest of my day, anytime that child would come back, because I'd gotten in this habit of just constantly worrying and thinking, what's going on? I wonder if he made his fifth, fifth period class. I wonder if he turned that paper in. When those thoughts would come to my mind, I'd say, okay, now, Lord, I give him to you. And I would give him to the Lord hour by hour, day by day. And when I would do that, it was amazing. I would experience this peace. This peace that I hadn't experienced. It was incredible. And so I gave him to the Lord, and God's peace replaced my fear. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Paul says, Be anxious, don't be worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's what exactly what God did in my heart in those high school years with my son. One day, a few weeks, probably more like a few months later, I remember being at home, and the thought came to my mind, I have not worried about this son of mine in a long time. You know what? 
I was free. I was free. I was beginning to experience freedom. Now, I will tell you this. To this day, I pray for that son. I pray for all my sons. But I have given them to God, and I walk in God's peace. You moms received a beautiful gift when you came in, this little blue uh, little card. And on the front of that card is a lovely quote, a great motherhood encouraging quote from Ruth Graham Bell, uh, Billy Graham's late wife. And isn't it sweet to think that today they are in heaven together, reunited again. But on the back of that card, you'll see something that, was, that Ruth Graham taught. This is also Ruth Graham Bell's teaching. And it's called The Possible and the Impossible. Girls, listen. This is one of the greatest Mother's Day gifts you could receive if you've got a child you're worried about. If you've got a child that you just find yourself, you know, you're at your wit's end, you do your part, the possible part, and then you make sure that you let God do the impossible part. Don't try to do God's part. I was talking to one of the moms between services a while ago, and she said, you know what you said about how God spoke to you about that child you were... She said... The Lord spoke to me one time, she said, and it was about my adult children. And she said, the Lord interrupted my prayer one day, and he said, get out of my way. I need to do my job. Girls, that is a good word from God. We get in his way sometimes, don't we? We get in his way. He wants to do his job, so let him do his job. Give your child to God and experience God's peace. Well, when my sons became adults... They left the nest, they married, and they were beginning their careers. God taught me another lesson. One of our sons was going through just, you know, kind of the usual um, uh, struggles that young men and that young married men, he was married, he had one child, and they were struggling with jobs and money and just all kinds of things. And when your child struggles, what happens to you as a mom? When they hurt, what happens with you? You hurt, don't you? You hurt. When they struggle, you feel it, and you hurt for them. And so I was on the phone with my mother one day, a very wise woman, and I was telling her about what was going on in this child's life and how they were struggling, how they were hurting, how they were suffering in some ways. And I was saying, it's just, it's killing me. It's just killing me. And then I asked my mother a very naive question when I look back. And I said something like this, Mother, when do you ever get to the point as a mother that your children are grown and they're doing well? They are succeeding and they are just flying. They are doing great. And you just can kind of step back and say, hallelujah, my job is done. And my mother said this to me, and I'll never forget it, and it's lesson number five. She said, lesson number four, I'm sorry. She said this, Laurie, you're always a mother. You're always a mother. You know what? We sometimes have the, we believe the myth that when they leave our house that our job is done. It is not done. We are going to be there not to do the things we did for them when they were children, but to be their cheerleaders as they become independent, as they become more dependent upon the Lord. There's a verse that's there on the screen, John 19, 25. And what does it say? It says, but standing by the cross of Jesus was who? was his mother. Can you imagine what she was experiencing? The thoughts that must have gone through her head. Remembering that night in a stable that she gave birth to him and wrapped him up in those swaddling clothes. And now as he hangs there, 33 years old and adult, she watches him as others mock him, as others torture him, as he hangs on a cross and dies an unjust death. Watching our children suffer, watching our children struggle and hurt, not being able to prevent that hurt or protect them from that or to do anything, it often weighs heavy on our hearts. But no matter how old you get, you're always a mother. And it's okay. It's okay when they hurt for you to hurt. There's a popular saying, perhaps you've heard it, it's this, and it says this, a mother is only as happy as her least happy child. I don't like that saying. Do you? I hate that saying. Some people said Dr. Phil said it. Other people said it. Other people said it. You know, I've been wondering and I've been pondering, is that statement even true, that you're only as happy as your least happy child? I've come to the conclusion that, yes, it is true. 
But, and here's the good news, I do not believe that it means that we cannot experience the power, the strength, the encouragement, and the joy in the Lord even when our children are unhappy and are hurting. Galatians 5.23 says the fruit of the Spirit, two of those include joy and peace. Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We can have that joy of the Lord to give us that strength even when we're hurting because our children are hurting. Philippians, Paul says over and over and over again, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Do you know what the word rejoice means? It means to make yourself glad. When you are hurting, when you are down, when you are thinking, I just don't know if I can face another day knowing that my child, there's nothing I can do. Girls, make yourself glad. You rejoice, you look to Him, and you praise Him. And girls, listen, you experience that connection with Him. When you focus on Him, these things begin to fade, and then you realize, God, I give this to you again. I've been giving this kid to the Lord all my life, and as an adult, I trust you, God. You're God, I'm not. Now, Father, I rejoice. I'm going to walk in your strength. I'm going to walk in your joy. Well, I've come to my final and to my favorite and most recent lesson that the Lord has taught me in this season of motherhood, and it is lesson number five, and it is this. The crown of motherhood is grandmotherhood. Hallelujah! Can anybody say praise the Lord? Isn't that good? That is an awesome, awesome thing. The crown of motherhood is grandmotherhood. We see this in Proverbs 17, 6. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Now, listen, I don't even care that it says I'm aged. I'm just, listen, having grandchildren makes up from even feeling aged and being called aged even in the Scriptures. Having grandchildren, listen, is such a blessing. I had no idea how much fun and how much joy this season of life would bring. You know, that overwhelming love you experienced when you had your first child and your next child and your next child. When you have grandkids, you know what you get to do? You get to experience that all over again. I can't believe how much I love this child. Lord, I can't believe how good you've been to me to give me a grandchild. Today I have four grandchildren and I'm about to make a shameless personal point of privilege as your guest speaker today. And I want to show you my grandchildren. <laughs> they are the crown of motherhood. These are my favorite people, and this is a plaque that my daughter-in-law Stephanie made and gave to me for Christmas. Girls, if you have a mother-in-law, mother, listen, you have grandkids that you've given her, listen, this is a great gift for Mother's Day for any time. Listen, it, it is the best gift per, perhaps that I've ever received in my life. It's just a wonderful thing. It sits in my kitchen counter. I'm in my kitchen all the time. I see it all the time. It just blesses my socks off, and it reminds me how blessed I am, and it reminds me to lift those kids up to the Lord. On the left in that picture, are my little rock grandkids, three of them. My son, David, and his wife, Stephanie, three years ago, broke my heart. They decided to move to Little Rock where my son had a great job opportunity. It liked to kill us, didn't it, Bill? It liked to kill us. It was hard. We'd been around them all their little lives. They'd grown up coming to our house and us going to their house and celebrating and seeing each other regularly. They used to live near me, but now three years later, they are away. They're a nine, eight or nine hour drive. But a wise grandmother friend of mine told me this, and this is what I would tell those of you whose grandkids are far away, maybe even overseas. She told me this, and she had grandchildren that were far flung everywhere. She said, Laurie, go. Go, go see them. Put dates on your calendar. Make it happen. Make yourself go and be with them. And listen, I don't have to make myself. I'd go right now after church if I could. But I put weeks, and Bill and I plan activities. And just week before last, we were in Little Rock watching Little League, Little League games as our son Ezra uh, played and just having fun with them. And, you know, we'll even jump on trampolines and crazy things like that just to be with our grandkids. We do crazy, nutty things at 60 years old. So go. She also told me, listen, send them things in the mail, okay, packages in the mail. She said, use FaceTime and Skype. Keep in touch. Keep in contact. And we do all those things, and I would encourage you to do that as well. 
Most importantly, though, you want to be a godly and a positive influence in their lives. The picture on the right is Aubrey. She's our newest grandchild, and she's about a year old now. She's a little over a year old, actually. She lives just a few minutes from me. I see her all the time. When she sees Bill and me, she reaches out to us. She wants to, us to hold her. That's the sweetest feeling in the world when they do things like that. You know, we see her, and, and I'm not as young a grandmother as I was when Ezra, my oldest, was born. I was 47 years old, okay? And, and I'm telling you what, I was active. I was doing all this stuff, but I'm not really a young grandmother anymore, I don't think. And my back hurts more than it ever had. I tire more easily, but I want to tell you something, and I want to tell you grandmothers and you granddaddies this. Listen, play anyway. Play anyway. Just enjoy them. Play hide and go seek. Push them on the swing. Get on a trampoline if you need to. You know, be careful of your knees and things like that. But do it. Make memories with those children, and that's what we're doing with Aubrey. When Aubrey leaves and when I go to bed at night, I'm achy and I am tired and I sleep hard. And I wake up the next morning and I am sore all over. But this is what I know. I may only have Aubrey near me for a short period of time. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do everything I can do to be a part of her life and to be an influence for the Lord in her life. In the time that I have, I want to be an encouraging and godly example to her. I want my children to hear, my grandkids to, to know and to hear about my relationship with the Lord, what He's taught me through the years. I want to share with them the things God has taught me in His Word. And so, yes, to all of you grandmothers here today and all of you granddads, you can spoil them a little bit, okay? You can spoil them. I do. I spoil them a little. But above all, be a godly influence in their lives. Like Timothy, the, Timothy and, and we see that. It's a wonderful passage. I'm just going to read it real quick. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul writes Timothy, and he says this, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, Timothy, which first dwelt, now listen to this, grandmothers, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. I like that Paul calls out Lois. Girls, listen. Then he says, and it dwelt in your mother, Eunice. He's calling these women out. He's putting their names on the pages of God's Word to honor them as a grandmother and a mother. And he said, and now I know that same faith is within you. We see three generations of faith in this verse in 2 Timothy. It is beautiful. And so, grandmothers, be a Lois. Mothers, be a Eunice. To the Timothys and to the daughters in your lives, they will catch your sincere faith that you can teach them through your life. Well, those are the five lessons that God has taught me. There are others, but those are the top ones. He's taught me through the seasons of motherhood. But the sweetest thing I want you to know is this. God has taught me that in every season of life and in every season of motherhood, He is with me. He's there with me. I'm not alone. I don't have to be a mom alone. I don't have to take that role and those responsibilities on myself. He is yoked with me. He is with me. And he's also promised that he will give us strength. Strength to be the woman, the grandmother, the mom that he wants you to be. He will teach you some lessons in the seasons of your life that will change your life and will change your children's lives as well. And so I close with a couple of questions. Has he spoken to you today? What lessons is he wanting you to learn? How is he speaking to you in this season of motherhood? Is a season even of being a dad? Is a season of being one of those others who has influence over others' children and over moms and over the grandmothers? How is God teaching you? What lessons is he teaching you? Has he spoken to you today? Has he shown you a lesson that you need to learn? And I just encourage you lastly, learn the lessons and pass them on to other moms, to other grandmoms. Live those lessons and let God make you the woman, the mom, 
the grandmother, the man, the dad, the grandfather that he wants you to become. Let's pray. And so, Father, we come to you, and I thank you for every single mom, for all of the mothers and others that are in this room. Father, find us in whatever season we're in, find us giving you priority, seeking you first, loving you most. Lord, you've promised us that when we do that, you will take care of all those other details in our lives. Oh, God. If there's one lesson that I believe you want all of us to learn, it is that, to love you most and to give you priority. May we leave this place, Father, giving you first place. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Happy Mother's and Other's Day. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand. As we go. May this day be a day when you are mindful and give thanks for those who have mothered, loved, parented, guided you, and shown you the love of your ultimate parent, God. And now we all turn to the generations coming behind us. May we be well equipped. May we seek first the kingdom of God that his light would shine through each one of us. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.